If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Judges chapter 6. Can we give it up for our worship team today? I love you guys. Have you ever been lost in a moment? Like worship's going on and you just feel like you're the only one in the room? Like nothing else is there? Anybody ever had that moment before? I had that this morning. Y'all weren't here. It was just me and worship. And we need that to happen in our lives. I understand now why as a teenager I could put on headphones and just completely escape. Play some worship music and I lose myself to find what God is saying. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. That's all we're going to get to. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abezrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. I want to preach to you this morning from the title, Threshing in the Hiding Place. Threshing in the Hiding Place. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence in this room right now. God, you're already doing something. Lord, I pray today, Lord, as we open your word and we seek your scripture. God, that you would, you would open those things up to us to let us hear what you would have us to hear. That we would be receptive to your Holy Spirit. God, your word says that the Bible is like a double-edged sword. Your word is a double-edged sword that can cut through. So, Lord, we pray today, Lord, that it would cut through flesh all the way down to the bone of our life. That it would cut through the junk, that it would cut through the layers, that it would cut through the facade, that it would cut through all the other things to get to the thing that you really want us to hear about. We're receptive today, Jesus. We've come to, an, to have an encounter with you. We've come to know more of who you are, what you want to say to us, and what you want to do in our life. We thank you, Lord, that if there is breath still in our lungs, Lord, you still have a purpose for us. So God, saturate us with your presence. Saturate us with your word. Saturate us with your wisdom. As we receive from you today. Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Give someone a hug before you're seated.
have you ever found yourself in a place of isolation, doing something that you didn't want anybody else to know about? As you first hear this question, it's, it's easy to assume or your mind maybe go to a place of sinning in secret, doing something you're not supposed to do, hiding something from, from other people so you don't get caught doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Our mind naturally probably went to that response. And although I believe this is an issue, that's not the question that I'm asking. I'm not talking about your secret sins today. Some of you are like, woof. <laughs> I'm talking about something that's different. I'm talking about another side of this word called isolation. You see, we often talk about isolation and we hear about one side of it, that how the enemy's goal is to get us separate, to get us alone, to get us away. So that way, if he can get us away and if he can separate you and I and get us out away from everybody else and get us alone, that he can attack us. And I fully believe that you have to be very careful with how and why you isolate. That the enemy can devour you when you get alone. That it's harder for him to attack you when you are with your pack, when you have found your herd, when you are with your flock, when you have discovered your tribe because you are stronger together than you are alone. The Bible says that a, a three stranded cord is not easily broken. But I want us to lean in on what I want us to lean in on today is something that I feel that we have lost sight of in a world where we put everything on display. Where we talk, we post, we comment, we portray every move and step of our life. And I have found that a lot of people who talk and show their life, when you really observe it, you actually take a closer look at it, their display on the outside hasn't taken root on the inside. Because if they can show it on the outside, then maybe they won't have to actually live it on the inside. It's easier to show that you've changed on the outside than it is actually to change on the inside. Well, what do you mean? Glad you asked. I remember when I went away for college and I was 20 years old at the time, 1920, and I left and my parents, they were becoming empty nesters at the time. And I didn't just go to like another city, not even another state. I went to another country. Left. I got married. I had lived at home until the day that I got married. And even at that, for, for three weeks, we were still in the U.S. We left, went to Bible college, a, a leadership school. Uh, made them empty nesters and completely left them. Didn't do that intentionally. That's just kind of what God said to do, so I did it. But I remember that when I had left, there was a statement that my dad told me, and he says, 
Who you show them you are is all they'll know. And I remember the conversation where he said, if there is things in your life that you've been wanting to change, if there's characteristics that you've been wanting to strip away, things that really you, 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 you aren't, that you have portrayed that you are, when you go there, all they'll know is who you show them. So I took note of that. Because I have discovered that it's hard to change in the environment where everybody's watching. And as I came back from college, I can remember the conversations over and over again where people would, would come up to me and be like, man, Nate, you've changed. You're different. Like, you're not the same Nathan that I remember. And I had discovered that their comments were not coming from a place of appreciation or encouragement. It was actually from a position of negativity. I had changed. I wasn't the same person. That when I was a child, I spoke like a child. But when I became a man, my, my Bible says that I put childish ways behind me. And I believe that we have adults in this world today who are double digits in age and are racking up their number, but are still acting like a child. They haven't discovered how to put their childish ways behind them. What I had discovered was they had saw the growth in me. They had saw some things change in me. And they didn't like it. I wasn't acting the same as I was because I had grown through some things. I had matured in some things. I'm not saying I had it all together, but there were some things in me that had developed. I had graduated from a season and I had stepped into the next. And the truth was they didn't like it. They didn't want me to change. They wanted it to be the way that it was. Kind of like how we wish sometimes things were the way they were pre-COVID. And this will happen in life as you grow, as you develop, as, as you try to better yourself. People won't want you to grow. I don't care if they're your best friend or even your family relative. People don't want you to grow. Because the moment that you do, they have to then assess themselves and where they are. And when that happens, they are challenged by their own inability to change themselves. I'm, I'm telling y'all, we got one verse in and we're about to go in. We're going to dig a hole so deep in this that we're not even going to see sunlight. As we pick up in verse 11, we see something right from the jump. Something that completely I've read time and time again, but God showed something. And I want us to read it again. It says, as the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. One thing I want to, to note today that I want us to look in on is the part where it says. Where his son Gideon was threshing 
wheat in a wine press. Now, when we read this pretty typically, oftentimes when we see it, it's easy, it's easy to say, well, he was doing something that he shouldn't have been doing in the wrong place. That's the easy observation. I've even preached that as of like even a few weeks ago. That you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. That is not normal. That, that, that's not how that works. But when I read this this week, God revealed something to me that I couldn't let go of. We see Gideon threshing wheat and he was doing something in a place of hiding. Notice it says that he was doing it to keep it from the Midianites. He was protecting it. He was doing something in hiding to produce something for himself. And what I felt like God had been showing me is this, that sometimes You've got to get to a place of isolation to produce something that's just for you. That too often we try to grow in the open because we want others to see it. Woo, we're going to get into this today. Because we, we, we want to prove to other people with our posts and the way that we talk that we're growing and to make ourselves look better. But there are times in our life where you don't need anybody to see that you're growing while you're growing. You don't place a seed on the surface for it to grow. You, you plant it in a place of isolation. You plant it in a place where no one can see it. Where nobody knows it's even happening. But in due season, something sprouts. But before it was able to sprout, it had to get deep roots. And it had to go down before it could go up in order to withstand the height when the storm come. It had to have deep roots, something that no one can see. And we live in a world where we try to grow tall without growing deep. And when you don't have deep roots, you will not be able to withstand the storms that will come your way. And you may look like you're grown on the outside. You look like it when the way that you talk about it, by the way that you post about it, by the way that you portray yourself about it. But if you look like it, doesn't mean that you are one. I can look at a weed and the weed stalk can get three or four feet tall, but their roots will be so shallow. They sprout so quick. They have no roots. And so you see, we often portray a false sense of growth because if we post about it, then it must be true. We, we want we want this microwave, quickly cooked, pressure cooked read a book and take a course and I'm now an expert kind of life. I told y'all the Lord just said one verse and we're going in. And I'm sorry to bust your bubble. Life is not that way. Let me say this. Stop posting that and talking about yourself being in the grind and let us just see something different on the inside of you. 
Stop posting that you're working on yourself and you're doing a little bit of self-help and let us just see something different in your actions. Like, like stop trying to put everything out there on display for people just to see something different. Like, no, let them just begin to see something different in your character. Let them begin to see the way that you treat your wife is different. The way that you love your kids are different. The way that you go to church is different. The way that you run your business is different. The way that you worship God is just different. Stop talking about it and just start doing it. Say a little, do a lot. Because some things are just for you. It's not meant for them. Gideon was threshing wheat in a hiding place because he was trying to protect it from the enemy. You see, when you put on display what was meant for just you, the enemy will rob it. When you place a seed on the ground, it will not sprout. You will have something come and take it and eat it. When you study scripture and you study the Bible, you will see where this thing called the threshing floor, it was meant for a place of separation. It was biblically, it was a place where there was revelation. Where God would reveal something to someone. And I believe that some of us are so consumed with our life on display for others to see that we, we have we have a we never have a space for us to be available for the threshing floor moment, a place of separation. And what I felt like God told me this week was that that it's in the place of separation that God provides revelation. That we live in a world where we, we can't handle being alone. We don't know how to. We, we we've got this feed. That, that they call it a feed for a reason because it's feeding your mind. It's feeding your thoughts. It's feeding your actions. It, it, it's, it's where you're getting your superficial nutrients from. It's this superficial consumption and it's filling our mind with, with all of this stuff and everybody's life on display and what they're doing and what they're doing and where they are and what just happened and all that. And we're wondering why we can't hear God and we're wondering why we don't know when he's speaking. It's because we ain't got nowhere to put it. You're like, God, I don't hear you. He's like, I'm talking. But if your mind's so full, how are you going to fit it in? How can you take in what I want to say when you're so worried about what they said? I'm trying to show you something in private, but you're trying to do it in display. And I meant it for you. I didn't mean it for them. You're full of the world. And you're not full of my word. When you find your, your threshing floor, that's the space where separation happens and God begins to strip away the grain from the chaff. That was what it was with, with wheat, where they would separate the chaff from the grain, that where the harvest would be separated from the fluff, where the things that produce would be separated from the things that don't. You see, when you get into that space of separation, 
That's when God's revelation becomes known. That's when he begins to speak to you in a place of private that is meant for you to hear it and not anybody else. It's like an embryo of a child. Exposed too soon, it will die. And you see, I couldn't help notice as I was reading through this, realizing that he was threshing wheat in a hiding place, in a place that was different than where you would normally thresh wheat, I couldn't help but notice that it says that he was also in a wine press. Now, if you study what a wine press is, you would notice that it's a place of extraction. It's a place of crushing. So that way, something of value can be produced. Are you getting this? Like, are you seeing what's happening? That he was both in a place of harvest and extraction. He was both in a place of separation and in crushing. That God was trying to tell Gideon and show us through his scripture, through what he was showing with Gideon, that you're going to have to come to a place where you are separated and you feel crushed so that way your harvest and what's trying to be produced can be of value. And maybe you feel like you're in that place today. Maybe you feel like you're alone. You feel squeezed. You feel crushed. I came to tell you today that crushing requires purification. That you don't purify something that you do not intend to use. That your crushing is not the end. Because God would never purify you if he didn't intend to use you. That your crushing is nothing more than a, than a beginning of a glorious transformation process that will reveal to the world and reveal to you who and what you really are. That's what a place of crushing does. And I want you to know this today because whenever you allow yourself to, to be de developed and grown in private, there is something that happens when you stop worrying and growing for others and you start doing it for yourself. Can I tell you that if you're trying to get healthy for someone else, like if you're trying to look good just for her, that if you're trying to get fit even just for your wife, it's not sustainable. It'll never work. But when you come to a place in yourself and you decide to do it for you, that's sustainable. That's sustainable. If you're trying to be a better father for your kids, it's not sustainable. But if you're doing it to prove to yourself, I'm not going to be who my dad was, or I'm not going to be who they say I am. I'm not going to do it for them. I got to do it for me. I got to thresh wheat in a hiding place. If you're coming to church to deepen your relationship with God for her or for somebody else, let me tell you, it will never be a foundation to build your life on. Can I tell you, and I want to look this way because I don't want to look at anybody thinking I'm talking about you. Okay, I'll look then. Somebody said, it's all right. 
I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, but can I tell you, I've seen time and time again, and let me tell you, person that's, that's dating, if they just started coming to church because you go, do you really think that's the foundation that your marriage wants to be built on? That they only showed up because you did? It's not a foundation. That's like sinking sand because the moment, have you ever noticed that? The moment they break up, where he at? Where is she at? Well, they were only coming because y'all were dating. That means they were never pursuing God. They were pursuing you and hoping that they'd get you, not get closer to God. If you want to know more about that, just go watch my sermon that I did at the beginning of the year talking about red flags of dating. That's a red flag. But can I tell you, if you're convinced that this is something that you need to do for yourself, that when you come to the threshing floor of your faith and you allow God to separate the chaff from the when you allow him to separate the harvest from the fluff, when you allow him to press you and crush you and separate something from you and extract from you what doesn't matter so that way what will stand is of value and you do it for yourself, that's a foundation to build a life. That's a foundation to have faith on. You can't build a life that's worth something for somebody else. Because it's not meant for them. It's meant for you. But you've got to learn that some things are just for you. They're not meant for them. That there are certain things that God will teach you in the hiding place and in the hiding place alone. That place where you get on the threshing floor. That place when you allow yourself and allow God to strip you and you become completely vulnerable. Do you know that place? Where is your threshing floor? Where is your wine press? Where is that place where you know that this is where God speaks? That nobody knows. That nobody hears. Do you have that place? Where is your dressing? Where is the place where God strips you and you become completely vulnerable? Have you lost that place? Have you forgotten that place? I felt like God was showing me this this week because. There's been times in my life where I get so busy with life and I'm going and I'm going and I'm trying to do things for others that I forget to learn that there's got to be some things I got to learn to do for me. When you're constantly pouring and you never feel yourself, you have nothing else to pour from. As a father, as a husband, as a man, as a friend, as a pastor, when you're pouring, 
as a wife, as a mom. And what God reminded me was there, he goes, you forgot where your threshing floor is. And he reminded me this a while back, but it was like he showed me that when I had found it back, my place back to it, he showed me, now you're back. Now you have refound your wine press where I'm crushing you. And yes, it hurts, but I'm producing something that's of value. So my question again is, where is your threshing floor? Where is that place or that space or that time that you go where you lose yourself and there ain't nobody around? For me, it's before everybody gets up. For me, it's when it's still dark outside and I don't hear a bird chirping yet. I don't even hear, a, a, maybe I hear a baby crying and I got to go help that out. But it's where like I sit there and I just sit in the quiet. And I look at God's word or maybe I turn on my worship music and I blare it so loud in my ears that I can feel like my body trembling. I don't know what does it for you, but that does it for me. I want to sit, honestly, right here in front of this sub, every single worship service, so I can feel the vibration. So I know that I'm real. I know that I'm here, and I know that God's presence is here, and I can feel the shaking in me to say, God, shake everything else that's not supposed to be here, and let what's supposed to remain be steadfast, and let it remain. And so I came to ask you, have you lost that place? Maybe you're so busy trying to be look all put together and you're trying to look like your life is flourishing for everybody else and you don't even know who you are anymore. It's time to get back to the threshing floor. It's time to step back into the wine press. What I want us to do, I've asked our team, we sang a song and it, it wasn't planned. I didn't even know we were singing it today till last night when my sermon was already written and I was already done and I'd already studied it through. And we sang a song today. Obviously, this is how God works. Called Nothing Else. And nothing else will do. I just want you. And I want us all across this room today, I want us just to stand. And I've asked our team, we're going to, they're going to lead us in this song again. And I, I don't know what you need to do right now. I don't know what maybe God's been trying to, to say to you or show you or reveal to you or reveal in you. But I want you to know this. We're going to worship for a moment. We're going to open this altar. And maybe right now is your first step back to the threshing floor. And maybe, maybe you need to come to this front. And maybe you need to get into a position before God. And say, God, whatever it is, Whatever needs to be stripped away. Whatever needs to be extracted. 
whatever crushing that needs to happen, whatever separation that you need me to do, whatever you're trying to produce in me, God, I want it. So why we sing? Why we pour out our heart to God? I want you to find that place in you, that place that you need to find full submission to the authority of God. Just pour your heart out. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Jesus, you 
Just remain where you are for a moment. Quietness and stillness. For those of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus, in a moment like this, it's It's the presence of the Lord that draws us towards him. And as a believer for many years, grew up in church my whole life, to be in the presence of God is, is a privilege. And when he calls you to follow him, as he's called all of us to do, it's an honor to say yes and to surrender our life to him. And so as you think about this in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to make a decision to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. If you've never done that, or maybe you have, and you've realized in a moment like this today that your life has gotten really busy and God's on the side. And he wants to be back in the center again. While you're thinking about that, I would only tell you that if you don't like the pain of the crushing, you'll never produce the joy of his presence like he really wants for your life. There's so many things God has said to me in private that weren't meant for anybody else. But it's those words that hold you up. And it's those memories when you felt God put his arms around you when nobody else could fix it and you had to lean on him. That's where your strength comes from. So we've heard from God today. Don't take this message lightly. God's doing something in our church family. Pastor Nate has led us to a place of kneeling and submission and surrender. So Lord, help us find that secret threshing place producing what he wants for our lives. So Father, I pray for every person who has surrendered themselves to you today. Those who kneel, those who stand, those who sit in a moment of reflection to say, here I am, Jesus. Speak to me for me. Talk to me. Just you and I, I surrender to you. Make me who you want me to be. Show me how to stand on the two feet you've given me, to purify the heart you've given me to serve you, to be real, to be honest, to be transparent. For those of you in this room, while heads are bowed and we're in this moment of prayer, if you do not know Jesus, 
those of you watching me from somewhere on the other side of a screen, you do not know Jesus as Lord of your life. Lord means he makes all the decisions and you surrender. That's what Lord means. He died on a cross for you. Jesus came from the heaven above the glory of God. He came, took on human flesh and became one of us so he could die for us and pay for my sin and yours. And he asks us to just receive his free gift of salvation. And that's what I'm offering you today. If you've never prayed that prayer to say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, take away my past. I'm inviting you to pray that prayer with me right now. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today you can surrender. Doesn't mean life will be perfect, but it means he'll walk with you. And it means you can go to heaven. And that's what we're all here for, is to get ready for eternity. So would you pray with me all across this room or from the other side of a screen, wherever you are, repeat these words. Let's all pray it like we really mean it. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Take away my past. Cover me with your blood and wash me clean. I receive you as Lord and Savior. And from this day forward, I'll do my best to honor you and serve you Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God, everybody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's celebrate together. Thank you, Jesus.